right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the sixth and the final week of our series entitled, If Only. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, we are so excited to have all of you guys, all of our campuses, Baton Rouge, Gulf Coast, those in Metairie, of course, each week online as well. Well, we are coming to a conclusion. I want to say just a couple things about our series. Uh, I trust this has been a, a helpful series for all of you. Uh, I do want to mention as well, uh, next week we've got something special planned for you. You do not want to miss that. I know it's Mardi Gras weekend, but I, I, uh, the following weekend, we are beginning a new series. You guys ready for this? Here it is. All the way up to uh, Easter, six weeks, I'm going to be talking about a message entitled Habits. Everybody say Habits. All right, here it is. You ready for this? The good. Oh, you don't have to say that. Man, y'all are like overly obedient today. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. The good, the bad, and the holy. How many of y'all thought of a Western movie just now? Come on, you thought. If you didn't, it's because you're too young. But nonetheless, you know, it's interesting. I'm so excited about that. I love teaching through series, and we do that because I believe that people learn line upon line, precept upon precept. We've been in this series talking about how to deal with regrets. Man, I, I know the pain of living in regrets and We've really been answering two questions. Number one, how do we get past our past? In other words, how do we deal with the pain and the regrets of our past? Now, it's interesting. I, I dealt with a bunch of different topics, and, and, and I want to conclude today talking about the race that we're in. And I, and I thought about, you know, how, how important it is to deal with these issues. Now, I want to make a distinction. The issues are not the regrets. The regrets are us regretting the fact that we allowed the issues to stay so long and it held us down. For example, bitterness. The regret is, man, why didn't I deal with this bitterness? Because it was really impacting my life and it affected me for so many years. Does that make sense? For example, I, I brought this uh, to show you how things get weighted down. This is, oh man, this is a bag full of bricks. It is. I'm going to show you that in a moment. And uh, the reason why I'm able to lift this is because I'm basically in shape. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I really am. Y'all don't want me to have to prove it anymore. And so, so I'm going to ask you guys a question. How, what would you think that you're a guest maybe, and, and uh, if you'd walk in here or maybe you hadn't been around here long, you thought to yourself, Man, well, that's, oh, is that the pastor? Okay, that's, is that the, okay, that, and, and what, see, next question, what is he doing with that backpack on? Maybe, you know, he's just really into school. I mean, I don't know, you know. By the way, we don't allow backpacks in a church for obvious reasons, and so this is the only backpack in the church. But I will say this, uh, it, it would be a little bit strange. If I carry this, matter of fact, if I, I teach for 37 minutes, they start blinking lights at me and saying not nice messages to me if I go over that. I want everybody to know that because it's like, Pastor, you've gone too long. I mean, so, so I, now I have 31 minutes and 36 seconds left. What would happen? What would you think if I went the whole time and I had this backpack on? Here's probably what you'd say. There's, either, there's easier ways to do that. Why are you doing that? This is pretty obvious. Everybody sees it. But the reality is, if you don't deal with the regrets from the past, and you're carrying around things from the past, and you're carrying them into your present, you're weighted down too. 
I, uh, on week one, if you weren't here, I, I talked about the psychology of regret. Matter of fact, I spoke specifically about shame. Everyone say shame. What is shame? Shame says I am a mistake versus I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. Week one, we talked about getting rid of shame in our life. And, 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 I, and I was very strong and very emphatic. The regret that we often have is that we've carried these things for so long in our life. Week two was an interesting week. And I want to tell you guys, if you were not here for week two, please, I want to encourage you. One of the most, probably one of the, the, the greatest feedbacks I got on this was, was the whole issue of, of, of bitterness and unforgiveness. Oh, man. Carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness. I, I talked about your 80th birthday party. And I talked about... What would happen, you've got all your family and your friends around, but who's not in the room? Who's not in the room with your 80th birthday party because, watch this, because of unforgiveness in your heart towards that person they weren't invited. They should be in the room, but they're not. Why? Because of a brokenness in a relationship. Maybe it was 20 or 30 years before. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe maybe it's a friend. And, And something went awry. And here it is, here it is. Here's the regret. Here's the regret. You're at that point in your life. It's like, man, why didn't I deal with that. In other words, why didn't I get that out of my life? If you were not here for this week, I talked about Joseph and and unforgiveness and what happens in life. Then then in week three, we talked about something really interesting. Matter of fact, it was Dr. John Maxwell. How many of y'all enjoyed John Maxwell when he came? Come on, how many of y'all? Man, he's powerful. He talked about what life is really about. Life is not about living for ourselves. Let me tell you how this is. It's elusive. You think, well, you know, the way to happiness is I'm just going to try to live for myself. Actually, that app, it, 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 the result is the reverse. The great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love thy what? Say it thy, as thy. Nothing wrong with self-love, but let's make sure it's in proper perspective. The issue is, is that when we put others first, and I don't want to carry around selfishness in my backpack. And some of you guys, and I say this so respectfully, you're going to work and you're, you're interacting around, but you've got, you've got these things that you're carrying around and God doesn't want you. Matter of fact, he doesn't want you leaving this series with any of those things. He wants you a free man, a free woman. Again, week four, I talked about skepticism, the things that hold us back, how oftentimes pride, pride is the thing that holds somebody from crossing the line of faith. Why? Because they want to be their own person. And yet God has made us to have a relationship with him. And then last week, by the way, how many of y'all enjoyed that Skittles illustration? Did you guys enjoy that? Hey, listen, the word is there was an explosion of Skittles sales all over the region last night. I, I matter of fact, my, my family, we went to go eat at a restaurant afterwards. People were, man, they were, everybody was talking about Skittles. My daughter, my 10-year-old dad, well, you know, I wanted to come put my mouth open under that illustration. I mean... Matter of fact, I got an email this week, Pastor, great illustration, but I was so scared that you were going to slip and fall. How many of y'all were nervous about that? You do love your pastor. Thank you. I, I didn't slip and fall, but they were gummy on the bottom of my shoes. But anyway, last week we talked about generosity. Generosity is not an action. It's an, it's an, it's an identity. That, that God has created us, listen, as followers of Jesus, that generosity ought to mark our lives. Listen, not just as every now and then, but we ought to live with the motivation that we want to, quote, be a generous people. Today, I want to finish up our series, and this has been such a fun series. Again, I'm so excited about our next one, but I want to talk to you about 
this, this concept that's in the Bible, and, and it's, it's, Paul calls, as a matter of fact, many biblical writers call it a race. The Christian life is a race. Matter of fact, I, I did a funeral uh, last week, and at that funeral, one of the, the, the it was a wonderful lady who did uh, one of the kind of, you know, the affirmation speeches about uh, the, her relationship with this particular individual. It was a beautiful thing. And here's what she said. And as a matter of fact, years ago, I taught a series on it. So it was something that reminded me. Nobody chooses when they're born. Most everyone doesn't have an opportunity to choose when they die. But, watch this, but we have a lot to do with what happens between the two dates. In other words, the two dates mark something. They're bookends. What happens between it is called a race. Paul uses imagery that's interesting in the Bible. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, check this out. This is interesting. So, so, so Paul introduces language that's found throughout the Bible, as a matter of fact, that the Christian life, watch this, is likened to a race. The question is, who's the competition? Watch what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Don't you realize that in a what? Say it, a... Now watch how many times I use this word. Everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. In other words, only one person gets the trophy. Wow, pastor. Never thought of that before. All of you that have kids, and, or maybe those of you that played, you know, recreational rec sports, you know, you get, whether you get a ribbon or you get a, you get a trophy, of course, as you go up. And, you know, if you finally get to the Olympics, you win a gold medal. It's a big deal. And, 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 and there's varying degrees of what ribbons are. And tro- but here's what he says. Only one gets the prize. So run. Watch this. So run to what? Say it to question. Who are you competing against? Oh, wow. Think about that. Wow, pastor. So am I running Against anyone. And who am I running against? Look look at the next verse. Verse 24. All athletes are disciplined in their training. You see a serious athlete? Matter of fact, of course, it was so tragic with Kobe Bryant, man, a couple weeks ago and how he passed away. And I've been, I, as so many people in America, it was really interesting because he was such a great athlete. And, and, and of course, he'd become such a great father and all those different things. And I was watching this short documentary. It was amazing in high school. He would get to the high school gym. Did you guys see this? You know, you know, at 5 a.m., 5 a.m. I've heard about LeBron James the same way, the training, the, the hours. It's not just that they're gifted. There's deep, there's, there's intense, there's, there's the extra mile. Watch this. What's this word say it? Training. I mean intense. Any world-class athlete, let me just tell you, it's not because they're just talented. A lot of talented people never go that far. They do, they, but they do it to win, to win a prize that will fade away. But, but we do it. We do it for an eternal prize. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, so, so Paul says, I run with purpose. And every step, he says, I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, I'm, I'm, not just, I'm, not just, I'm not just, you know, shadow boxing. I'm actually in the ring, and there's a competitor. The question is, who am I competing with? I, uh, I have two girls and then I have two boys, and the boys are just 16 and a half months apart. So, I mean, they were very, I mean, they were just so competitive. And, of course, I mean, they would just, just do, they want to win. I mean, absolutely. I mean, to, to the, of course, they got that from their mom. 
And so they're just so competitive. And, 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 and we would actually have to stop playing football when they were 12 on the side of the house. Because, I mean, they would like want it to the... To the put one another in a headlock, and there's often blood. I'm serious. I mean, I'm like, spank up. Stop that. Of course, my brother and I was kind of the same way. And, and, and so we would have all, it was very competitive environment with them growing up. And it was interesting. I, I um, of course, being competitive, I, then my, my boys would ask me, say, Dad, you know, we want to hit you. Dad, can we hit you? I'm like, and then you can hit us back. Of course, I'd never hit him back. I'm at barely on the arm, you know, and, and just, okay, you know. And, 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 and so they would hit you. Now, how many dads would be honest enough to admit that there was that moment? <laughs> that, dad, you, you know, you, everybody say moment. They, 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 they didn't cross the line of faith. They crossed the li- line of hurt. You know, and they're boom, like, hey, what do you think about that, Dad? I'm like, you're about to go to heaven. <laughs> matter, matter of fact, one time, listen, one time, my boys, I don't know why he did this, but, but, but one of them, he, he was, he was going to hit me, and instead of hitting me in the arm, he hit me in the stomach. I was like, if your mom was not close, I'm serious, I thought thoughts, I thought, whoa, whoa. So, 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 so lots of competition. The question is, is Paul talking about us competing against someone else? You know, it's interesting. I, I, some of you get, know this. So I've talked about it a little bit. I'm not a good golfer, but I golf now a little bit, all right? Just a little bit. Friday's my off day, and I haven't been able to do as much. Of course, it's cold and wet and all that. And, and so in an ideal situation, you know, I've, I reread my message on Friday morning. I, I got everything in my brain. I'm ready to go Friday afternoon because I'm, I'm, I'm amped up going into the weekend because this is what I do my, my thing. It's what I'm paid to do and, and called. And, and so Friday afternoons, I like to play golf. And I don't like to really play with other people. But watch this, watch this. When I play golf, I always play with two balls. <laughs> if you're laughing, it's because you do the same thing. Here we go. <laughs> you know what's amazing? I always win. But here's what I'm playing. I'm playing against my own potential. Can I tell you what your race is against? It's not against your neighbor. It's not against somebody else. You're actually running against your own potential. You know what Paul said? Here's what Paul said. Paul says, listen, so that you can receive the eternal prize. By the way, this image is all through the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said this. He's, he's looking down a Roman jail cell. He's about, listen, he's about to be killed and martyred for Christ. Last book he wrote, 2 Timothy. And Paul says, I have finished my, say it, race. There's that word again. I finished my race. And he says, there's laid up for me a crown. What is the eternal reward? Here it is. You guys ready? What is the eternal? What, what is that prize? It's two things. Number one, it's, it's God gives us the prize as Christ's followers of living with him for eternity. Please don't miss this. But we also give something to him. You know what we give to him? We give to him, watch this, the very gift that we've become what God created us to be. In other words, we have fulfilled the potential he entrusted to us. So you're in a race. But your race is not against anyone else. And the issue is, if we're carrying something, it holds us back. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, using the same analogy, let us strip off every weight. Everyone say weight. Man, take it off. Don't, don't walk around. Don't, don't walk around with weights and, and things of the past. Let it go. Lay it down. 
Lay it down. And the sin that so easily entraps us. Well, what entraps us? There's often, there's often what I would call proclivities and propensities in our human nature. Whether it's generational, whether it's a, a personality dynamic, there's often little things that we can struggle with, certain areas in our lives. Paul says, make sure to master that. By the grace of God and the power of God. Why? So that you're not held back by that so that you can run the race, so that you can give the gift. What is the gift? What is the gift? You get a crown of righteousness to live for eternity, but you also give a gift to God. You fulfilled your potential. You became what God called you to be. You did what God called you to do. It's interesting, as I was preparing and looking through I, this, this whole series, I thought the way to end this up, I'm going to give you guys three specific things we got something planned for you next week, and then we kick off our new series in Lent. It's going to be great. You guys are going to enjoy it. I, I trust that we're all ready. Some of us are going to be praying and fasting, by the way. There's different levels. A lot of people do a Daniel fast. There's liquid. There's all different. We want to just prepare ourselves as we move towards Easter. But, but I, want to, I want to close by giving you three things. Number one, I want to talk to you about the what. Then I want to talk to you, watch this, about the how. And then I want to end up with the who. Number one, what is Paul's point. Here's number one, what Paul would say. Paul would say, when you run this race, listen to me very closely, when you run this race, you're running it with a goal. You're running it with a goal. Every single one of you have been, has been gifted by God. And by the way, your gifts are different than my gifts. And my gifts are different than yours. Your gifts are different than your neighbor's. You've been uniquely made by God. Listen to me. I am not, I, I don't believe in, in, in that we are slime plus time. I believe that we were intimately, intricately designed by God. No human palm is the same. No two people have the same. Listen, there are uniquenesses, there's strengths in you, and there's weaknesses in you as well. By the way, nobody has the whole package. That's why there's a complementary fashion. That's why relationships work, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in friendship. The, the, the good, good, listen, good relationships happen because you honor others' strengths and they honor your strengths. And listen, you cover your, you, they cover your weaknesses as, and vice versa because nobody has the whole package. But God has created you in a unique way to be a solution to a problem in culture. I want, every, I want to say that again. God created you in a certain way so that you can solve something, so that you can fix something, so that you can add something to life, that you're not just a taker, but you're a giver, that God has uniquely fashioned you, that there's a reason that you're here. You're not just taking up airspace. You, 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 you were created by God, for God, to do something with God in the time that you're here, in the dash between the two dates. I know what immediately happens. You start discounting and dismissing yourself because you think of people in the Bible. You think, well, I'm not Abraham. I'm not a, you know, the father of faith or Esther. Oh my gosh, she saved the whole Jewish race. Or I'm not Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know. And, and y'all didn't get that. And so I, Peter, y'all, come on, would you work with me a little bit? I mean, Peter, man, is the first preacher of the church. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Mary, I mean, the mother of Christ. What is my gonna do in a Peter Springs? Isn't it amazing that when you die and you stand before God one day, he's not going to look at you and go, well, you did okay, but you 
really didn't do what Paul did. No, he's not. Matter of fact, I never forget, Barbara Walters was interviewing Billy Graham years and years ago. I think I've said this one other time. Profound. And she said to him, she says, Dr. Graham, you've preached to more people in all the world. What, I, mean, I mean, what are you thinking? What, what do you want God to say to you when you go and stand before God? Those of you that saw it, you, you remember what he said. He said, well, Barbara, I just hope that he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And she said, oh, Dr. Graham, come on. I mean, you preach the gospel, I mean, more than anybody. And here's, here's what he said. If God told a grandma to pray, do y'all remember this? And she was faithful to pray every day, and I somehow was unfaithful in what I did, then she gets the reward. Listen to me. It's not a comparison between your neighbor or anybody else. Were you faithful to be and do what God called you to be and do? Your race is against your own self and your own potential. So there's a purpose for your life. There's a plan for your life. God wants to do extraordinary things through your life. Not just the priest, the preacher. The cleric, the religious person, the leader. No, 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 no. That would be so convenient. No, it's not. The fact is God has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan for your life. I love the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. My, one of my favorite, there's four or five favorite verses. Ephesians 3, 20. Romans 8, 28. Jeremiah 29, 11. One of the first scriptures that I memorized. By the way, context. When did God speak to Jeremiah to write this? When the children of Israel were in Babylon in captivity. They were in captivity in Babylon. They were disobedient and they ended up in captivity. And yet God said to them, in spite of their sin, in spite, listen, in spite, listen, in spite of their turning off the interstate, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. How many of y'all are grateful God doesn't wipe us out when we make a mistake? Come on, how many of y'all plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future? God has a purpose. Everybody say, God has a purpose for my life. Your purpose is not my purpose. My purpose is not your purpose. The problem is this. What is the problem with that, Pastor? The problem is, is that we often tend to compare our plan and our purpose with somebody else's. We get what I call hooked in comparison. We, we, we end up, Proverbs chapter 4, I love what Proverbs chapter 4 says. I'm trying to unhook you from comparison. By the way, two ways to drive slow in a car. Number one, push the gas and look in the rearview mirror and never look forward. Number two, the second way is to look this way. I have a friend, by the way, I have a friend who really scares me when he drives. And let me tell you why. He's, he's a very, he's a bubbly personality and he's just a fun, but, but he always, and I'm, I really mean this. And so he, he, he's, he's like, ah, Steve, you know, he's driving like this, but, but, but like, he's always looking at me. And he's like, yeah, and I'm just, so matter of fact, we were together last week and I said, can you look straight ahead? Is that, you know, oh, you know, Steve, you know, and he's just, you know, and it's just, just kind of just driving, and he's just, and, and I'm just like, bro, whoa, 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 and you know, I'm a little, you know, just like, whoa, I get a little nervous, and I'm just like, no, seriously, it's, it's okay. Listen, I, let's establish this. I really like you. We're friends. I'm not ready to go to heaven. Can you please, and so what's interesting is, is that, is, is, is that we often, we often, if we look to the right and to the left, it slows us down from looking forward. Proverbs chapter 4 says it this way. Let your eyes look what? Someone say it what? 
The problem is we don't look straight. Why? We're looking at our neighbors, how they are doing, what they have versus what we don't have, what they achieve, what we've not achieved. And we're looking this way and we're looking that way. And that's called, well, that's called Facebook. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it like that. Oh, pastor. By the way, all the younger people on our staff say, pastor, you really need to get my, I'm not, I'm very, I don't do any, I do one little thing on social media. I'm not against Facebook. I'm not against Instagram. I'm not against all that. But let me tell you something. If you're deriving your self-worth based upon the fact that, let me tell you something. Most of the time it's like, well, I, I, well, I didn't go to, I remember two summers ago, I think I told you all this. Somebody I talked to in our church, I said, I said, uh, they went on vacation. And they were all excited until they got back. They looked on Facebook that their friend in the church went on a better vacation. Proverbs chapter 4 says what? Let's look where? Where do we look? Come on, say it. Straight. I'm looking straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly. My competition's not with the church down the street. My competition's not with my brother. My competition's not with my sister. My competition's not with somebody else. My competition is not with another 51-year-old sharp, in-shape person. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not my competition. I'm just trying to wake you up a little bit. Everybody say, look straight ahead. God's got a calling on your life. Say, God has a purpose for my life. All right, that's the what. Number two is, and I'm finishing this series. Stick with me. The how. The how. Can you imagine if somebody wakes up on a Saturday morning to take a run, and they take off on a run, and they have no idea where they're going. They don't know how long they're going to run. By the way, that's Forrest Gump level. Do y'all remember that? He's just kind of running. He's just running. He goes, he just stops. I'm going to go home now. I mean, the, fa- the fact of the matter is, when you go on a run, you know where you're going to go. You kind of know when you're going to come back. You have some, that's called a plan. You can have a purpose, but it has to be matched with a plan. The, vi- the purpose is the vision. The plan is the strategy. How am I going to fulfill my purpose? We put something in your devotional this week, and I know everybody's been re- reading their devotional but there is what's called some, some strategy of how to develop a plan. Now, I want to I recommend a book to you guys, and I think it's very important. I've, I've actually recommended two books in this series. I'm very reluctant to ever recommend a book because something somebody's going to find in there. It's not the Bible, okay? It's just a book, but it's about, written by a good friend of mine. And, and can you pull this up? Living Forward by Daniel Harkavy, who's a friend of mine. I don't know Michael Hyatt, but Daniel coached Michael Hyatt as a, as a leadership life coach. He's a godly man. He's a Christian. Both of them are. And, and it's how to develop a life plan. I, I cannot encourage you enough. All of our campuses, our Baton Rouge, South Shore, Gulf Coast, all those that are joining us online, uh, uh, whether you can get this book or whether you can download or whether you can talk to somebody about how to develop a life plan, a life plan starting with your relationship with God and then your other relationships. And, and, and Because here's what I believe. I don't believe people have a time, a time problem as much as a priority problem. And we need to get our priorities in place in order to fulfill our purpose. I have so much to say about this point. Let me say one thing about it. I believe there's a lost art. I want everyone to hear me. There's a lost art in our culture. And the lost art is primarily lost because it's fallen prey 
to the complexity of life and the speed of life. The lost art is the lost art of reflection. If you guys heard this before, I know all of you have heard this at some level. You've heard that experience teaches you something. I want to pause and say, I don't fully agree with that. There's some experiences that come and they go and you lose everything about it. I'm going to add something to it. All right, y'all ready? I want everybody to get this. It's experiences that you pause and reflect upon and think about that translate into insight. It's not just the experience. So what do I do? I have a little black book. I have a little black book. I know I'm a little old school. Some people have, you know, they put it on their, on their cell phones. I, I'm a little old school with that. I have a black book and I write things down. I bring it with me. I have it in my car. I have the little black book when I read my Bible in the morning. I have my little black. And here's what I do. I primarily have a grid. And here's the three questions. This is extra, okay? This is not in the sermon. I'm giving you extra because I think it's important for us to, to, to maximize the art of reflection. Three questions I ask myself every day. Number one, here it is. What happened that I can learn from? How can I implement that in my life? Who do I need to share that with? What can I learn today? Matter of fact, last week I was in, I was in a conference in Florida. And there was, there was such a profound point, points with this speaker. I was with this learning cohort and some of you guys know I'm going back to school and I, and I was in this learning cohort and, 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 and I told them, I said, guys, I got to catch up with you. Why is that? Because I got to pause. Everyone say pause. I needed to reflect. And here's what, the three questions. What can I learn? What did I learn? How can I implement this? Who do I need to share this with? And the deeper that I went, and I had this little black book. I had my book. I'm talking about, I'm talking about how to live a life of intentionality. Getting past your regrets, the point of getting past your regrets is not just getting past your regrets, it's getting past something so that you can live intentionally towards something. And as I was reflecting upon this, and as I was chewing upon this, it became clearer. It was something in my leadership. And I didn't understand this about myself. It wasn't a sin issue. It wasn't a moral issue. It wasn't an unethical issue. It was a leadership. There was a glitch in my leadership. And I thought, what, why is this about me that I feel like this one particular area and I didn't see it? And this person spoke and they spoke and I got it. And, and, and I got my little black book. Are you with me? And I got that little, and I started writing it down. I started reflecting. Everyone say reflection. Remember this, it's not experience. It's experience that you reflect upon that turns into insight. And I remember getting on the plane. Pastor Dave Madden was traveling with me. I have somebody always travel with me. And I said, Dave, I really got this. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's, it's, been, a, it's, been, a, it's been something that I keep missing. But I got it. But I got it because I wrote it down. And I wrote it down. Now it's part of me. And now I'm going to have that situation come again. But I've learned something. I not only learned something, I've made adjustments. I've not only made adjustments, I'm telling you, Dave, about it. I'm going to tell you about this because I need accountability for this. Are you all with me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Reflection. Everybody say purpose. Purpose is the what? What has God called you to be and do? God will help you. By the way, the creator decides it, you discover it. You don't decide your purpose, you discover your purpose. 
That's the what. Number two is the how. How is the strategy? We need a life plan, and we need to reflect in the morning time before we go to bed. What did I learn? How can I apply it? Who should I share it with? What did I learn? How can I apply it? Who can I share it with? I'll finish with this, the who, or the how, the, the who, the who, the who. And I'll close with this. You guys learn anything today? Three people, I'm really excited about that. I've been working real hard, but I'm excited three or four. All right, here it is. Watch this, watch this. this is, we're, we're closing this out. We've got to run with people. We've got to run with people. As we've learned, here's what I wrote. The race is unique, and nobody can run your race, but people can support you in your race. At different times and in different stages of life, all of us need encouragement. All of us need support. All of us need help. All of us, all of us need others alongside of us. There's an old African proverb that says this. It says, to run fast, run alone. But to run far, run with others. See, the issue is not how fast you're running. It's do you complete the race? In ancient Greece, the irony of it was that Paul was using this metaphor because he understood he lived in the Greco-Roman world. He understood the Greek culture. It wasn't the person in the Olympics that, 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 that crossed the line first that got the prize. It was those that would cross the line first in the long-distance run, and they still had their torch lit. Can I ask you a question? Is your torch still lit? Are you still in love with God? Are you still intimate with Christ? All of you and I can say that you've known somebody that you began the Christian life with, and it's like, where are they? And, and they just got shipwrecked somewhere. There was a hurt, there was a disappointment, something happened, and they got off course. And there was nobody there to help them. Oh, listen, I'm not blaming those people. I'm blaming them. Why? Because you can't stiff-arm people. Then when you go through a crisis, wonder where they are. Oh, man. Some of you guys have tasted small group life. You went to a small group six weeks ago and you were reluctant to do it. And you knocked on a house, you knocked on a door, somebody wasn't there, and you're like, well, I did that, I got that. No, no, no. And then they open the door, you're like, well, come on in. And you're like, and you're kind of walking in there. And you're like, okay, I'm going to try this because Pastor Steve told me, you know, I've been going to church 10 years and I finally started this small group thing. And then, but now the miracle happened and you feel connected with people. And then you went through a challenge two weeks ago and those people that you connected with, now they're praying for you. And they're for you. I had somebody years and years ago get mad at the church years and years ago and they called and they left a message with the receptionist says, I was sick and nobody in the church knew. I knew this particular individual. I said this very respectfully and they kept everybody at arm's distance. Can I tell you something? Your small group is the church. That's the relationships. That's the body of Christ. Are y'all with me? It's hard, it's hard, it's hard to put up hurricane shutters when there's 80 mile an hour wind. It's hard to build relationships when something's happened with one of your kids or something's happened in your marriage or something's happened in your business and there's a hurt in your soul, there's a disappointment in your life. It's really hard. Build the relationships now. Build the support structure now. Keep plugged into a small group now. Keep plugged into those relationships now. Why? Because the Bible says trials are going to come. Is there anybody with you in the race when they do? Is there anybody there? I'll close with this. You guys know the story. 10 years ago, man, I went through a big burnout, big time, big time burnout. 
couldn't preach for a month, went to a counselor, the whole thing. Thank God it was not immoral. There's nothing wrong with that. It was simply I was burned out emotionally. I thank God that I had a 20-year relationship at the time with Pastor Doug Arman, who was my Bible study. I thank God for Pastor Randy Craig. I thank God for the pastors that are over me. I thank God for our incredible board, our elders, Dr. Greg Muley. I thank God. Listen to me. I thank God that there were, I would not be the pastor today if I was living isolated away from people. I would have been shipwrecked, mad at God, mad at the church. But thank God. I remember Randy Craighead, when I went back there between service and Randy, I'm just not doing well, man. I am just burned out this building campaign. We're raising $40 million in a financial recession. And just was the weight of that was just crushing me. And I remember just going to Mobile with my wife. And I just said, honey, I didn't do anything wrong. But I'm telling you, I'm not right. I'm just burning out. And I remember Pastor Doug. And I remember Pastor Randy. And I... And I remember there were just lifelines to me and lifelines to me. And like, what if they wouldn't have been there? What if they wouldn't have been in my, what if I wouldn't have done all the years of I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. Hey, look, bro, I apologize. What, what, it takes work. Are y'all with me? It, it takes work. It takes work in relationship. It takes work connecting with people. Those, if you want to run fast, Yeah. I don't want to be in small group anymore, man. Kind of burdens me down on Tuesday night. I got to, I got to, you know, come home from work. I got to shower. I got, I, I, I got too much work to do. I'm too busy. I got too many emails to return. Well, we'll see how you're doing spiritually in 10 years by yourself. But if you want to get to the end, on fire for Jesus, in love with God, with your torch burning bright, run with others people. Come on, y'all receive that today. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one. You are the one that ignites our hearts with a passion for Jesus. You're the one, God. You're the one. Lord, I thank you for this series. I thank you that we've learned some things about how to make decisions, to not live in regret, but to get past our past, to live intentionally towards our future. Because we're longing for that day to hear, well done, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to ask our, our, our prayer team to come forward right now. I, I want to say this about our prayer team. I know some people may be reluctant at times to come forward for prayer. We are here at a church. Every one of these teams have been praying over this service. If there's any needs that you guys have, you don't have to be embarrassed. I'm going up front because, uh, no, you're going up front because you need prayer, just like I need prayer, and we want to join our faith together. How many of y'all believe that God answers prayer? Come on. Sometimes you need a little help, a little prayer power. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. I pray for the grace of God upon their lives. Lord, I pray traveling mercies, those that are coming and going in and out of our church these next few weekends as kids are out of school and different things. Lord, I'm, I'm asking for grace, grace, grace upon their life. And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that as we come through Mardi and look towards the cross, as we enter into the Lenten season, as we, we look to the cross and the resurrection and we, we reflect upon Jesus, who you are to us. Lord, we thank you. We love you. I pray the favor and the blessing of God upon every man, woman, boy, and girl. May the grace of God be upon your life this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said.